The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Leon Cooperman, the outspoken investor on the economy. I'm not calling for recession, but I'm saying that I think that the market has discounted the good news. The Fed, college campuses, the presidential election. In 2020, as a vote against Trump, I voted for Biden. I will not vote for Biden again. I think he's lost a step. And so much more. I might write in you or Joe Curtin. Plus, the rest of today's stories that got us squawking. Investors love AI. WeWork 2.0 and Boeing facing flaws. You know, they don't got a lot of extra ones where, hey, oh yeah, we got one here. While we face flight delays. There's no room for error. It's Tuesday, February 6th, 2024. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And in stock news, take a look at this one. Palantir shares jumping sharply, uh, close to 20 percent, up 18 percent right now. Our earnings coming in at nine cents per share. It matched estimates, revenue beating expectations. Full year guidance also in line with estimates. In a letter to shareholders, CEO Alex Karp saying the company's expansion and growth have never been greater, especially in the face of unrelenting demand for large language models in the U.S. So a lot of this being driven by the world of AI. And he hinted at a little bit of this when we saw him in Davos. Meantime, the, nope. the interesting thing with this, too, yep. I, I think it was a couple hundred million dollars in revenue. It's the first time they've ever done that, which surprised me. I didn't realize it was the first time they they posted a profit like that. That's a thirty four billion dollar market cap company yeah. that is built up on this hope and this promise yep. of what's to come. And this it's is the first time always, you're kind of getting a glimpse of that. Always been the case. Yeah. Always been the case. Been I love those, those kind that it's not based on the bottom line where it's multiple of the top line. And it's like a $34 billion. That's why I looked up the market cap. It's I mean, the multiples, you wouldn't even... Yep. Now even if it was earnings, the multiple would be, it, it, you know, well, for, could not explain first time, it, but it's when it's just revenue. 185 times got to grow the first time that. that you're saying this. For a long yeah. time, uh, yeah. Amazon, remember that? Right. Same, yeah. Meantime, potential investors in Elon Musk's new AI startup, XAI, focusing on access to the billionaire's network of companies and the early success of competitor OpenAI. That's according to a Bloomberg report that said that those two selling points feature prominently in a slide deck circulating among potential investors. In the meantime, uh, we should also just note that Elon, at least publicly thus far, has said that he's not trying to raise money for XAI. So there have been a number of reports that Bloomberg has put forth, I think one may be won by the FT, and in virtually all the cases, he has continued to say that he is not trying to raise outside money. So it's unclear this deck, whose deck is the deck? Right. When was that? The door blew out, and um, that, mean, that means inspections, and uh, we're finally getting close, maybe close to an end, the FAA um, and the, uh, the latest Boeing crisis. The agency says it's uh, 94%, nearly 94% of the inspections of the planes have been completed. 
and 135 of 144 grounded 737 MAX aircraft uh, have returned to service now. The FAA's response will be in focus today when Administrator Mike Whitaker uh, testifies before a House subcommittee on Capitol Hill. And, you know, you, you get one a problem with one plane and you just can watch it ripple through a, a, an airline. And, you know, they try to, you know, they don't got a lot of extra ones where, hey, oh, yeah, we got one here. But just pull that over to the gate and let people get on it. I mean, it, they're one you, you can always check yep. where's your plane coming from when, when you have a flight it's like okay it's supposed to be and you know whether it's there and it's, sometimes it's not there and then it finally lands and they got to clean it and everybody's got it but it's com and if you ground a lot of planes it, it wreaks havoc which there's no room for error you you, you had no issues no we had multiple the issues that that uh they were still no, occurring. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, yes, the, the third plane was finally airworthy. And, and by the way, uh, Katie Kramer, our producer, flew before me, right before me. Yeah. She got five hours, six hours of delays in the morning, and it wound up on my flight eventually. And then you know what happens. Five-hour The lettuce oh, is the just sitting there. Or the chicken, <laughs> the, rubber chicken. It on? the rubber chicken. The rubber chicken, the, the polentas just festering there in the heat or, or what. Okay. Just problems. Problems can, can occur. Look, the bigger issue Boeing's facing at this point is the labor problems that are cropping up, too. The machinists are threatening to go on strike. Uh, they've got a contract that expires in September. It's going to start negotiations in March, and we'll be watching that very closely because 10 years ago uh, they had their pensions taken away. Uh, yeah. They didn't get very big raises, and now they, they want 40% raises um, and say that they are threatening to strike if they don't yeah. get that. So this will be more issues that Boeing's going to have to deal with uh, before they can kind of clear the air, uh, yeah. so to speak. You, you know who airs on the side of the long tie, the most famous long tie wearer? No. On the Trump. You ever notice this? Even, Trump has long even when they do caricatures of him, he's all, the tie is always down. And the segue for that, folks, is that when I walked in this morning, no, so his go, first comment was he said, your tie seems a little long. Oh, yeah. Well, that's because I'm sitting Top down. Top of the when belt. No, 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 no. That's too long. You've got to retie it. Because I saw the back of it. The back of it is way up here. You can't. No, I don't no, even know. No, it's past. It's past. Barely Once past. Once you get past the, 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 the back. I um, will grant you one thing, Andrew. Yeah. It, it, long is better than short. Long it, is better it, than it, short. No. <laughs> but no. That nothing is. And I see people. You know who I see? I see actors. I see actors on TV that don't know how to tie a tie because they've never had a job. You know what I mean? Because yep. they're just memorizing scripts. They finally. Short ties they, usually go with short sleeve shirts. Short skis. Short you know sleeve what, shirts. Yeah, yeah, short. Right, right. <laughs> like, like the guys on The Office. But if you get, you know, watch TV. Watch some of those like crime, you know, these stupid see it. They have no idea. And they, you know, they go in the wardrobe and they tie, oh, yeah, that looks good. And there's like this much space between the, the top Not of the that belt. Not any of us have OCD. <laughs> that, I, I, I told you I have an OCD, right? I, I, I have tied. I'm aware. <laughs> I have tied a tie five times. And I've been late here from Tying, retying the tie. From retying the tie. And we're watching the shares of Snap. The social media company said it's going to lay off 10% of its workforce worldwide or around 500 employees. Uh, the move comes in part to promote uh, in-person collaboration. Snap's quarterly results uh, are due today after the closing bell. Media. A lot of layoffs we're seeing in media. Yep. I saw some stuff at CNN. A lot of, like, people we probably have run into that I don't know how many staffers that have been told to look for some new places.
to go look, look for a job. That's very difficult right now, I think. The Washington in, Post and the Wall Street Journal. The media landscape, is it, is it because of the disruption from all this other stuff? Yeah. You see yeah. strong numbers for advertising <laughs> at, at, at Meta. Have I got that right, Digital Andrew? advertising in other places that, that are seeing huge gains, uh, not necessarily carrying through everywhere. And a lot of places in particular that have to pay for streaming and figure out the cost. A lot of it is the streaming. Yeah. And a lot of the debt. A little bit too much debt is taken on by some media companies, too. We feel bad. We do. But, uh, we're, you know, it's not chatting for it. We're happy we're okay, at least today. Cheese will be next. Coming up, Fed Chair Jay Powell spoke to the normals on 60 Minutes, and we are still parsing his language on possible rate cuts. I think the American public wants to see who Jay Powell is, what the Federal Reserve Maybe, is. Maybe, but we knew there's nothing that to hear from them. All he did was confirm what we already knew. Sure. And investor Leon Cooperman. He's had a nearly 60-year market career, but he's still just a boy from the Bronx. I was honored fairly recently by the New York Yankees. I was given the opportunity to throw out a pregame pitch. I was shocked by what I saw. Uh, hot dog, $8. More Squawk Pod is right after this. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Up and Andrew, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. It's people still grappling with what exactly Jay Powell had said during that 60 Minutes interview uh, earlier uh, on Sunday night. Have you seen people have now are, are, you have published the transcripts of what, yeah. was, what was said? And so this idea of middle of the year, that was a voiceover in terms of what, what, what Scott a, Pelley had said about when this was all going to happen. So I that, thought I heard Jay Powell say that. I, there was a voiceover in one part that sort of led you to believe. Uh, you, uh, go online I, and read a, the transcripts. I, I, no, it's, watched, it's worth it. I watched the interview. I, it's worth it. I watched the interview. Maybe there were two different points, or maybe no. the voiceover really convinced but me that given Jay the, said it. Given what we've seen, in the, like I said earlier, given what we've seen in the past six weeks, did you really need Jay Powell to say those Pedestrian things on 60 minutes to yeah, understand. Somebody did. I think the market the American, moved yesterday, which I think the American me. public. I didn't want, hear anything. I, didn't I think the, Ameri- I think the uh, American we, public wants to see who Jay Powell is, what the Federal Reserve maybe, is. Maybe, but we knew there's nothing that, to hear from them. All he did was confirm what we already knew. Sure, but I think that putting a face to that, making the, the American public understand that there is this thing that, that's not some kind of 
you know, spooky thing behind yeah. the curtain is valuable. Even Steve Eisman said yesterday, because they still have to keep talking down the dot plots. I don't know. I, I, you know, all I can say is that 70% of the U.S. economy is consumer-driven. The consumer seems to be pretty strong. They still have savings. They're spending money. So, you know, why everybody's getting so hysterical, I don't get it. Everybody should just wait. If, when there'll be a negative data point, we could talk about it. Until then, it seems to me the economy is just fine. I didn't hear anything that he said that surprised me. I do think it's good to occasionally talk to the public about these things and explain where your views on inflation are when it matters so much to things like the housing market, which is way bigger than the stock market even. I think we're Mortgages making a lot more out of it than, than what actually happened because as the, the numbers were much stronger than people had expected and as the dot plots became more and more irrelevant, irrele irrelevant the market continued to hit new highs. Sure. So when we find, and then finally Jay Powell says something, it's down 270 points. Well, on a percentage basis, that's 0 .00, that's, that's nothing. But so you did have, none the, of it really. You did have 30 year mortgages trade above 7% again yesterday for the first right. time since December. And a little back up in the 10 year. Right. It's a, to where, to, to the high I, end of the I, range. I think, the, I, I think people aren't paying attention if, yeah. if you don't, if you were surprised by any of this, but clearly some people weren't paying attention because it did move markets to some little extent. A little bit. Right. But, but, What's more surprising is that as the economic data was stronger and stronger, the, the stock market right. continued to hit new highs. And by the way, that interview was taped before the Friday jobs report. It was that before. was much stronger than expected, too. So right. you add that to the mix. But the earnings were already better than, than yeah. people thought. The market hit a series of new highs, and then it's backed off 270 points. It's right. nothing. Joining us to talk about the markets, the economy, and much more is billionaire hedge fund investor Lee Cooperman. He is Omega Family Office chairman and CEO. And Lee, weigh in on this because you're somebody who thought the markets were going to be troubled. You've been concerned. Not that you haven't been fully invested, but you've been concerned about the future for the markets. We are sitting just off all-time highs. What do you think this year brings? Uh, well, everybody came into 2023 with a very negative view, and the market went up quite a bit. And everybody's now positive, and so my guess is that uh, by the end of the year, maybe we'll go down. Uh, by the end of the year? Yeah, by the end of the year. Um, I think the Fed will cut short rates uh, maybe two or three times. Forget the six times that the market was discounting. But I think the long end will go up. And, you know, prior to 2008, the 10-year government bond yielded in line with nominal GDP. You have inflation of 2 to 3%, and you have real growth of a couple percent. A 10-year of 4 or 5% or higher would not be a big surprise. And right. I think our situation is out of control. Our, our borrowing situation, you mean our borrowing situation and whether or not we'll find buyers for that debt? We'll find buyers. You know, when I grew up in, in, the, in this business, there used to be the expression crowding out and guns and butter. We have guns and butter, and I think we'll ultimately have crowding out. The government will get their money regardless of the cost. But I think the cost will be higher than people think. I know myself... Given the amount of debt that we're creating out of the system, I wouldn't be a buyer of government bonds at these levels. But you, you would be a buyer at a higher level. Yeah, sure. You know, the government, you know, everything changes. Price is the final determinant. And so I'm not saying the government can't sell its debt, but I, I believe that, uh, you know, we have trillion dollars of interest expense now for the government. We have an economy that is reasonably fully employed. And we're running a big deficit. When the economy is fully employed, you're supposed to have a balanced budget. And it's both political parties are responsible. You know, when President Trump was president, he was running a trillion dollar deficit in the fully employed economy. And he was arguing for negative interest rates. 
you knew his balance sheet, you could appreciate why he was arguing for negative interest rates. Sure. But I, I would say that uh, bottom line, when you look at everything going around in the world and you see the market multiple at 21 times, it seems too rich to me. Even given what we've heard from companies, earnings have been coming in stronger than anticipated. A lot of companies have kind of um, surprised to the upside and said that they see very strong demand. You can look across a number of industries for that. Yeah, I, I think it's discounted in the market. You know, that's that's just my my basic view. I'm not calling for recession, uh, but I'm saying that I think that the market is discounted the good news. And um, we, we've forward. You know, let's look at it this way. It's taken a dollar and a half of debt uh, to generate a dollar of economic growth. You know, and uh, look, nobody knows when the stuff is going to hit the fan. Uh, I, I, I like to point out that in 1972, two civic-minded citizens by the name of Henry Fowler, former Secretary of the Treasury, a Goldman Sachs partner, and Pete Peterson were good buddies. They used to run full-page ads in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times alerting the public to the evils of the budget deficit and the trade right. deficit. And uh, what has happened 40 years later? We have the lowest interest rates in our lifetime. And either it doesn't matter or one day it will matter. And I think it will matter one day. That's what Steve Eisman said yesterday. He kind of pointed it out. You know, he, he can get pretty concerned about things. Yesterday, he seemed relatively laid back, didn't seem overly concerned about anything. And that was his point, that for 40 years, people who thought the, uh, the debt and the deficit were going to blow up and that rates would skyrocket it as a result, it just hasn't happened yet. Um, you think we're a lot closer to that point, though, than we have been? Yeah, I can't pinpoint the time, but... Uh... Look, business cycles, every recession sows the seeds for the next recovery, and every recovery sows the seeds for the next recession. And uh, we're f far into an economic expansion. And, uh, you know, I was honored fairly recently by the New York Yankees. I was given the opportunity to throw out a pregame pitch. I had not been to a game for many years. I was shocked by what I saw. Uh, a hot dog, $8. A bottle of water, $6. I bought my grandson a baseball cap, $56, you know, uh, a pretzel. I grew up in the Bronx, and there used to be an old man that came around with a carriage and a laundry bag full of pretzels, two for a nickel. It was $13 for a pretzel. I bought a new car in 2017. I paid $54,000. I looked to replace it in 2022, $104,000, no discount. Guess what? I didn't buy a new car. I can afford it, but I don't need it. And I'd rather do something else with my money. I think we're going to have, uh, you know, uh, shrinkflation. Uh, and uh, we've borrowed for the future. And that's why the market has done so well. Having and said if, that, you, oh, go ahead, finish your thought. Well, uh, my thought is that uh, basically, if you look at market cycles and you ask yourself, what's a bear market? A bear market is a period of time when more stocks are declining than rising, with the decline average around 25% and lasts for about a year. By that definition, 93% of the stocks have been through a bear market. You know, the Magnificent Seven should now look more like the Magnificent Six as Tesla falls from the crowd. Uh, but I, I think that uh, there's a lot of value in certain sectors in the market. But I believe that one should have a, a cautious view. When you look at the Magnificent Seven or Six or however you want to measure it up, you still have two of them that are among your top holdings. You've got Alphabet and Microsoft, but they are not among your best ideas right now. Does that mean you think 
they've seen their runs? Well, I think that they're, uh, you know, I like to buy things that are out of favor. And uh, I'm holding on to Alphabet and Microsoft because they're great technology companies. And that's my window to technology. You know, I can't know nearly as much as these managers of those companies know. And yes, they're pricey, but I have a much lower cost basis of a big capital gain. And uh, I'm not looking to pay taxes in these good companies. But, you know, for new money, I'm not putting it into Alphabet and Microsoft. I'm putting new money in, in other things. Yeah, you talked about some of those. Uh, Legato, first lien bonds is something you've brought up with us before. That's still your best idea. You also, though, have, have, have Cigna on that list. Why, why Cigna? Well, it's a 10 multiple buying back stock. Uh, they've done a very good job in running the business. And uh, I have a general view that if I buy something that's cheap, I want the company to be in a position to buy back cheap equity to make me more right or pay me to wait. It's not a decent dividend yield, but they're buying back, you know, five, six, seven, eight percent of the company annually. And it sells at a very low multiple. It was uh, on the list yesterday of, yeah. of the just 100 list. It was one of the top 10 companies. Yeah. Does that matter I, to you, Lee? No. Uh, this DEI, I think, has gotten crazy a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I'm basically uh, just do the right thing. And uh, we want to be in a world of uh, we will reward meritocracy. You've also suspended your donations to Columbia University. That's a place that I think you've given more than $50 million to this point. What upset you? What changed your mind? Well, the way they've handled the anti-Semitism on the campus. You know, I've said this on a competitive network, uh, but I said these college kids have uh, shit for brains. And the truth of the matter is, uh, I'm, I'm being very kind to them. You know, when they talk about from the river to the sea, free Palestine, some of them think they're talking about the Hudson River or the Nile River. You know? <laughs> and uh, they don't understand the only democracy in the Middle East is Israel. The only reliable ally we have in the Middle East is Israel. The only country in the Middle East that recognizes gays and lesbians, basically, and let them do what they want to do, uh, is Israel. And yet you have gays in Palestine. They have no idea what they're saying or what they're doing. You know, Israel took the money they got from the West and did constructive things with it. You know, the Palestinians allowed Hamas to get a hold of the money and they built tunnels. So, you know, I told the president of Colombia, if you simply came out and said, you know, that uh, the professor who praised Hamas for what they did uh, does not speak for the university. Uh, he has tenure. We'd fire him if he didn't have tenure. And there's no room for hate speech of any kind on a campus against any religion. They didn't say that. They equivocated. And uh, it was unacceptable to me. I think Bill Ackman's done a wonderful job at Harvard. I've done my job at Columbia. And Mark Rowan, I think, has done a very good job at Penn. You know, it is what it is, you know. The world's all screwed up. What would it take to win back your support? Just to act rationally. You know, the truth of the matter is, what they say is the, uh, the professor did not reflect their thinking. The professor was uh, operating on his own. And we can't terminate him because he has tenure. You know, uh, and also, uh, I, I'm a big supporter of the business school where I have my MBA. And the business school has a different view than the university. 
So they could win back. I mean, what would they have to do to to win you back as a as a donor? Actually, there's no room for anti-Semitism on the campus. Uh, there's no room for hate of any kind. And let's let's uh, open up the campus for contrary views. You know, and uh, these kids can't shout down uh, and uh, eliminate anybody coming on campus that uh, they don't particularly care for the message. You know, we have a lot of cr crazy things going on. There's a, 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 a black conservative economist who I'm very fond of, Thomas Sowell, who says in his era of social justice, what is your fair share of what someone else has worked for? I love that comment, you know, and uh, that has to do with marginal tax rates, where they criticize wealthy people. I don't know why they're criticizing wealth. How do you get to be wealthy? You develop a product or service the market the world needs, and you get rewarded. And a lot of people that have accumulated large amounts of wealth are doing constructive things with it. I work very hard, but I'm giving away all my money, 100%. Lee, there is a, a pushback and a, a bit of a backlash to big donors everywhere, though. Um, I think the sentiment that just because you pay for a lot doesn't mean you should get to declare how everything goes. What do you say to that? I mean, that's part of what this backlash on the universities has been. I can only speak for myself. I, I don't get involved. I, I support people. You know, my wife and I have determined to give back all our research, 100% of what we've accumulated over the years to those organizations and institutions that made a difference to us in our lifetime. We don't try to control anything. Uh, and we allow the people that are in charge to make the decisions. And when they go off track, we'll speak up. And when they're on track, we, we just go along. The thing I'm most proud of is not in the Jewish religion. Basically, uh, we gave $50 million to send 1,000 kids to college in Newark, called Cumberland College Scholars. I gave them two tranches. The first tranche we gave six, seven years ago. Um, and when I gave the money, I said, look, I know the statistics. 35% of new high school kids go to college, only 5% graduated. I've worked too hard for that money to, for a 5% graduation rate. Well, the people that run the program have done a fabulous job, Twinkle Morgan, a, a very motivated black lady, uh, and we had a 73% graduation rate in our first cohort. I gave them a second 25 million. So I'm trying to do my share. Uh, and, you know, it's what it is. I can't worry about what I can't control. Hey, Lee, um, here we are. We've got another election coming up. Last time, I, you said again and again and again, I'm voting my conscience, not my pocketbook. I'm voting for Biden. How'd that go for you? Uh, I'm not, right now, I would say... No, uh, but I mean, how, are you glad? You glad? You, you think, did, did that work out well for you? The, the, the state of the country right now and where we are right now the, in terms of Joe Biden? Uh, well, uh, I'm not happy with either one. I have, we have two candidates running one's bad the other one's worse i don't know who's bad i don't know who's worse uh, <laughs> you got to pick lee do you, you, do, you pick. Uh, do you honestly do you honestly not know which is which is worse and actually do this for me if you could explicitly tell me why you think if you believe that uh biden is worse than trump if you could explain that well trump has good economic ideas his behavior is disgraceful and i would not vote for him i signed off on him when he became president, when he mimicked a New York Times reporter that had cerebral palsy. You learn when you're two or three or four years old, you don't make fun of handicapped people. And then when he dissed John McCain, a true war hero, the man has no judgment, but he understands the economy. 
and Biden says he's a union man. He should be for employment generally. Okay, and uh, so in 2016, I wrote a Mitt Romney. In 2020, as a vote against Trump, I wrote it for Biden. I will not vote for Biden again. I think he's lost his step. He's allowed himself to be in the pocket of the progressives, which I think are destructive so party. Does that mean you'd go? You'd vote for Trump then? You'd go back to the? the... Oh, I'm going to write in. I might write in you or Joe Thanks. Curtis. Wow. <laughs> Who's on the top of the ticket? Uh, I... I'm hoping. And it's just a hope. No, Maybe. between me and Andrew. I, 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 I'll give it to Andrew because uh, I, I, the vice presidency is more for me, where you, don't, you, where you really don't do the anything. The Naval Observatory is a better a, place to live. I don't want to. You like to work hard. I, I'm, I'm the vice president. I'm going to just mail it in. Okay. That's not the first time that's been done. I'm running for president. Uh, number one, I'm the exact same age as uh, Biden. And... Uh, I had I to ask you that, Lee. I had to ask you that. It's like, man, oh, man, how's that bed you made right, that I, you're I, sleeping in? I got one more for, for Lee because I'm just so curious. It's an Elon Musk question because we've been talking about him all morning. As a sh- you're not a shareholder, I believe, in Tesla. But nonetheless, you follow the markets and you follow compensation programs. You've, you've, you've critiqued and said all sorts of things over the years about different things that we've talked about. Do you have a view of, of the deal that uh, the shareholders and the board made and now what the judge in Delaware said? I haven't followed too closely, but he's very he's he's a genius, but he's overcompensated. I quote the great Warren Buffett. He says all these boards of directors are hiring, you know, pension consultants, compensation consultants. They should go by the name of Ratchet, Ratchet and Ratchet. You know, the compensation is excessive. But by most companies, managements get paid when they fail. That's a big battle that I have to fight as an investor. But I'm not an activist investor. You know, I'm basically a passive investor. I try to invest in companies I understand and uh, they're reasonably valued. And I can find plenty of them because most of the ones I get involved in have been through a bear market. You quickly set the Legato. Legato is my favorite idea. It's somewhat complex, but it's an indictment to the U.S. government. The Department of Defense allegedly has lied under oath. They basically are using the company spectrum without compensation. It really comes down to a question. Can the government take an asset that's worth 20 or 30 billion dollars and not pay for it? And I think the answer to that is no. But I got to be patient. The bonds trade for 20 cents in a dollar and you're having a, a pick coupon of 17 and a half percent. And I think at the end of the day, I get par for the bonds. It may take three years. It may take a year. But uh, it's disgraceful what's going on there. Lee, want to thank you, as always, for being with us and for covering such a, a wide range of topics. It's really good to see you, Lee. Well, nice to be seen, and uh, you guys do a good job, and stay safe, stay healthy, and just uh, hoping the country gets on the right track. I think we're just on the wrong. Lee, Lee, if I win, do you want to be the Treasury Secretary or the Commerce? Or if we win, if we win. Suddenly it's you? You think he? I don't know. I was told I was the top of the ticket. You are the top of the I don't want the responsibilities of the presidency, believe me. She is going to be the Secretary of State. We know that Do you want to be State? I'm staying home. That State, I, I don't. I think she's I, like me. That's way, too, way too much work. To be it's the too Treasury much travel. Secretary or the Commerce Secretary. Like Davos every week. <laughs> the country deserves better choices. That's my view. And uh, Biden has done a lot of foolish things, and his support of the progressives on the left uh, leave me very cold. I'm a centrist at heart. I believe in the progressive income tax structure. I believe rich people should pay more in taxes, and the question is how much. 
You know, Bernie Sanders, he's a communist. He says 90 percent. Elizabeth Warren says 70 percent wealth tax. Paul Krugman, New York Times, says 64 percent. I'm willing to pay 50 percent. I work six months myself, six months for the government. And that's it. And I think the idea that rich people don't pay taxes is baloney. Lee, uh, we always appreciate talking to you and getting your perspective on all of it. And we look forward to doing it again very, very soon. Thank you. Next. You ready for this? You're sitting down. I say we, you say work? Still, a new chapter for the workspace sharing company. Is embattled founder Adam Newman coming back? He's now pushing to buy back WeWork. What? This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. News uh, breaking this morning. Uh, this had a deal book this morning. Ousted WeWork founder Adam Newman has a new real estate company, Flow Global. But you ready for this? You're sitting down. He's now pushing for it to buy back WeWork. What? It's a remarkable story. Uh, <laughs> company sent a letter yesterday to uh, the advisors uh, to WeWork, which is now, of course, uh, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, uh, asking for more information from the company, saying that they've been trying to get information from the company to either buy the entire company, assets from the company, or to provide dip financing uh, to the company. Uh, it appears that they are being stonewalled. Perhaps even more interestingly, Adam Newman has teamed up with Dan Loeb at third point to buy back WeWork. Uh, the company has about a $4 billion in uh, face value in terms of debt that's still outstanding. The company, of course, uh, there's a question how much money the company would be really worth. I think some estimates say it could be uh, as low as $500 million. So we're not talking about, you know, an extraordinary amount of money. But considering at one point this was a company that at least on paper, and we should say not at least only on paper, was valued at $47 billion, uh, it is a long way down uh, if you are an equity or debt shareholder or stakeholder, I should say, uh, in WeWork. It might be frustrating to try to sell it back to him. Having said that, it does not. Is putting it uh, having said that, it does not appear that there are any other buyers for WeWork. And, and in fact, yesterday, if you look through some of the transcripts of what was going on at the bankruptcy court uh, case, there are some real problems because a lot of the deals, the landlord deals, need to get renegotiated, and they, this company needs money. So. Um, and nobody, is, at least thus far, has emerged to try buy, to buy the they, company. Is he saddled with the debt then, too? Or the yes, second? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, if you, buy, if you buy the company out of bankruptcy, you would be saddled with that the debt. The debt and the creditors. Well, not, the, but, but not, not 100 really, cents because on what the dollar. Is the, right? You'll take, you know, it'll be 10 cents on the dollar, yeah, 15 yeah. cents on the dollar. So the question is, could the company try to reemerge from bankruptcy right. without a buyer uh, or with a buyer? And what we'll see take? what ultimately happens. <laughs> If you owned some of the debt, I'd take a lot less than a dollar on the dollar. And, and no, nobody's, nobody's getting four. No, the re, nobody's getting four four billion dollars. Right, they but, might get five hundred million dollars. But, but it was, a, a it was only on paper. Only on paper value forty seven. The forty seven was never. It was, that was, was never. Yeah. How many other company? What company 
is actually valued at what it's valued. I mean, you, you could say that almost about anything. Maj that doesn't make way, it unique. Worth, worth noting, the majority owner of the debt is still SoftBank. It is. Oh, they must love that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Hey, we're all friends here. Not that any of us have OCD. <laughs> that, I, I, I told you I have an OCD, right? I, I, I have tied. I'm aware. <laughs> Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, please follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And let us know what you think. We're on social media site X at Squawk CNBC. That's it. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 